Welcome to Old Man Blurred. Hi, I'm John, and along with my friend Terrence, we make up a pair of lifelong geeks who happen to be black, over 50, but are certainly nerds first and foremost. The Alpha Geek and the Omega Freak. And we welcome everyone. And by everyone, we mean nerds, blurds, and bleaks, cosplayers and role players, geeks and freaks, Marvel zombies and distinguished competitors, Trekkies, Star Warriors, Bat Maniacs, and Spider fans, Warhams, Whovians, AFALs, adult fans of Legos, Tolkienites, Weeaboos, Supernatural Hunters, and Otakus, Ava Geeks, Bro Stars, and Sis Stars, Pokemon Trainers, Potterheads, Bronies, Whovians, Browncoats, and Scoobies, and all nerd properties in between. Because we are over 50, we've seen a thing or two and have experience, long experience, with a lot of these properties. So thank you for listening to Old Man Blurred. Haha! Perfect! Jeez. Hey, it's your face! You look like a, a dark Sith Lord with that hoodie on. <laughs> uh, it was because I get tired of people seeing my nudity. Yes. <laughs> and now, young Skywalker, you will die. Yes. Do you want to be blinded by such things? <laughs> Blindness, you do not. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, well, there. Uh, I, I, I'm bald, too, but by choice, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I shave it. I still have plenty of hair. I don't think I'm receding yet. Well, I'm receding. I'm not whatever that center friar tuck thing is yeah the monk horseshoe yeah exactly yeah. i don't have yeah. that going on so long yeah. time no hear from uh welcome ladies and gentlemen to old man blurred where we two elder statesmen of the nerd of the black persuasion uh sort of commiserate about anything and everything uh nerd related or not um so i guess today's episode we're going to be i guess the main topic is going to be on wokeness which i think is the elephant in the room that every sort of black nerd has to deal with at some point in time but first we should just get to what some nerdy things that we have been up to lately i, I know some of you missed us because we were on vacation brief hiatus but we're back um mm. so what nerdy thing blurdy thing have you been up to terrence no, let's see. I watched uh, Godzilla versus Kong yesterday on TBS. I'm what like, was dang, that? They don't... Godzilla versus Kong yesterday on TBS. I'm like, dang, they don't even used to be like five, six years. Now it's like two years and the movie's on. That's true. Well, and some of them end up being simultaneously on streaming services. There's a whole bunch of them. If you want to pay the, I guess it's like 20 bucks or something, you can see it right away on streaming services usually. But this was Godzilla Kong. Mm -hmm. Ah, I liked that one. But speaking <laughs> of Godzilla, we now have both seen uh, Godzilla minus God one. Godzilla minus one. That's a nerd thing that we were both up to. Um, what are your thoughts about Godzilla minus one? And did you see the black and white version, the color version, or both? Both. Ah, look at you. A oh yeah, I had to see it when it first came out. I could not wait. 
you were a completist for sure. What would you think? Only complain about the black and white when it was hard to see in certain sections because of the darkness. Sure. As in the black on black. Sure. Complete with the dark. But other than that, it was great. Um, I enjoyed it as well. I saw only the black and white version. I thought I was seeing the color version. I kind of went in not having seen any trailers, knowing anything about it, except that it was essentially a remake of the first Godzilla movie. And I thought it was excellent in black and white. I felt like it had gravitas in black and white. I'm sure it probably did in color as well, but in black and white, it wasn't, I don't believe it was true black and white because I think it was decolorized black and white because the shadows weren't super black with other parts of it being sort of, I guess, for lack of a better word, white. <laughs> uh, it was it, so it, it was more of a decolorized movie than a black and shot in black and white, but it was still fine. Uh, I, I think it added a little bit of drama to it. And uh, nice to see the giant uh, lizard being a bad guy again. Uh, well, old school kaiju. I like the fact that, uh, uh, I like the fact that they, they did something that's always entirely almost impossible with period pieces, even 20 years. And that's finding people who have the look. Oh, that's true. That's true. Everybody that was in it, it was very much... Uh, Japan post World War II in terms of clothing, hairstyle, the whole the whole nine yards. I mean, even their facial, their facial. I mean, it has nothing always to do with hairstyle because some people their face just wouldn't allow them. That was one of the problems with Cary Grant when he did that movie where he was a ghost mm-hmm. from the 1700s. He just looked too modern. That's true. Was that Top Hat? No, that wasn't was Top that? Hat. He he, he did that? a movie that. I forgot I what, what movie it was. it was where where it was uh, where he played a ghost. I don't know why I was thinking Top Hat, but oh, because I think he did Top Hat also. But both of them were ghosts, except this was the seventeen hundred ghost, you know. Hmm. And I'm like, but I he just looked he looked too modern. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah. that uh, they got people that it really did look like. I I think the hairstyles for the men and the women too. Uh, were really uh, time period. And like you say, I think their faces seem to be fit that period of time. For those of you that don't know, and there's no spoilers here, uh, this is uh, a Godzilla post-World War II that seems to have been affected by the atom bomb dropping and has become larger. Was that your take? Yeah, it became larger, gained ability to uh, breathe his breath and regenerate. Yes, yes. And it is uh, not your Godzilla where you're like just sort of wanting him to do mass destruction. You really get a sense that they really took their time to show the tragedy of Japan post World War II and the trauma and the PTSD and the self esteem blow that losing World War II 
would have been like because it takes place literally during the war and just after right and it brings back the terror that is the atomic age like i feel like in some ways we've lost that in entertainment media but that is the birth of godzilla as an idea and definitely a birth of Godzilla in the movie itself, in the movies itself, is that he is a product of the atomic age and the fears around it and the destructiveness around it. And he, in that movie, uh, Godzilla minus one, he really is the atomic bomb personified or lizard onified. <laughs> <laughs> Right, well because done. there's a, there's a couple well of times. I mean, no 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 secrets here. Uh, Godzilla has a breath weapon, but the way that it's deployed and it's infrequent but very impactful has a flare of like when it lands, like an atomic bomb goes off. A mini, well, yeah, a mini yeah. Nuke. So and, and, yeah, go on. I'm sorry. You no, know, I was just gonna say that some of the actors. And it's going to be a slight spoiler, but it's more of character. It's not more of, you know, the story. But, like, the mechanic and one of the ship captains and the admiral all seem, especially admiral, made me think of the old kaiju movies from the 60s. Sure. You know. Sure. And duty and dignity and honor and what is honorable. Mm -hmm. uh, it does play with that. Because, uh, and this small spoiler, but you would get this in the first two minutes of the show, the main character, spoiler, main character, the main male character anyway, was uh, a failed kamikaze pilot. Which nobody ever thinks about when you really think about it. No, and failed nobody by meaning he did not do his mission. He did not, he did not do the thing which kamikaze pilots are known for. So that is the most I will reveal about the the movie, but it is worth a watch. Arguably, I feel like, and maybe this is an exaggeration, I, be, I might think that it was about the best Godzilla movie since the early ones. I mean, I do enjoy, of course, Godzilla vs. King, King Kong, Godzilla King of Monsters, but they are very different. They are kaiju where you're kind of rooting a little bit for the kaiju. In this, you are like, oh no, a kaiju would be absolutely terrifying. Just the just, just swinging its tail and just knocking over buildings where people are getting blown through windows. I mean, it would be real, real bad. <laughs> well, it literally, if you want to go that route, it literally was with Godzilla versus uh, no Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And the, the most similar to that scene would be when they when Rodan woke up. Sure, sure. Because it was the same mass of destruction through that Mexican Mexico sure, city. Sure. Well, and I think that in this they spend so much deliberate time focusing on the characters that there's real stakes. You know, if someone gets hurt or killed, that there's real real emotional impact because it's like oh yeah these are it's not just faceless people getting stomped on although there's some of yeah. that too but i mean it's actual characters <laughs> that you are like oh i'm invested in this character and what just happened 
Mm. So, you know, I think that is what makes uh, Godzilla minus one a plus, an A plus, I think. I think it was a solid, solid film. Well, yeah, and it, and it goes it goes with the idea, as you say, the dark side of nature, if you will. Sure. Because the other other kaiju movies are more of men. Hate to sound say it, but man has to realize there are things bigger, no pun intended, than him. Sure. Because we and, always think that we're so influential, we never think about what would happen if they, as you said, were running around. We would be at their mercy. Well, and I think that more movies really need to be taking some pointers from Godzilla minus one, because I don't think people spend nearly as much time developing the motivations for individual characters in the context of horror or in kaiju movies or in sci-fi. The, the more you develop a character within the story, the more you actually care what happens to them or the things that they care about. And the more you know pointless or cavalier something like a tail you know swinging around and obliterating a building and hundreds of people running the more impact it has i think that there hasn't really been that in a Godzilla movie that I've felt. There was like, oh, you know, Brian Cranston is doing his thing and Millie Bobby Brown is doing her thing, but you knew they weren't going to die. And, Not true. <laughs> well, you know, you thought they weren't going to die. There you know, <laughs> but uh, because, you know, there's so much plot armor. There was, didn't feel like there was that much plot armor. They established some, oh, you never know how this chaotic situation is going to play out. And I, I like that. I like to be surprised by a film. Uh, yes. So a plus, definitely a plus for Godzilla minus one. Oh, I can't take that away. That's absolutely correct. Was you know, it? Was... I was going to say you are a much, uh, I don't know if, the, I, I think that you are a bigger fan of Kaiju than I am. I've seen a ton but I feel like you've seen way more than I have. I've probably seen a dozen or so movies. I think you've seen quite a bit. Where do you put this in, in terms of Godzilla movies? This gets off the subject a little, but this goes back to one of our future discussions in this very podcast. Sure. And that is that Toho realized at the beginning when the Monsterverse was created that they were afraid that theirs would be overruled or ours would downplay theirs. Sure. And when the they American versions versus most... the Japanese versions. Right. And then when they realized not only could they have both the Monsterverse and the Toho version as in Shin Godzilla before this, they were also able to have the Netflix Godzilla as a cartoon in addition to a legal commercial without sure. any threat. But by the same token, DC... They have a habit of giving reboot fatigue. Sure. Instead of just going with a, okay, the multiverse, and they're the creators of the multiverse. This is the sad part. Sure. DC actually looms pretty large, if not the creator of the multiverse. Certainly, well, in comic books, yeah, I I don't think that could be argued because the Flash of Two Worlds is sort of the beginning of that. And that was Silver Age, early Silver Age. And it was like two or three years, if not more, before Mirror Mirror, which yeah. sat it for 
television. Sure. You know, and I mean, and Voyager Bottom Sea did it about a year later, you know, with the different Captain Cranes running around, you know. <laughs> but, but yeah, all of these Godzillas can exist. It doesn't matter. It didn't affect the, the, the property, the intellectual property. And that's exactly what Warner Brothers slash Discovery needs to learn, which Marvel kind of has. But again, they only have recently learned it with their Spider-Man because they really messed it up with Hulk. You know, that was a revolving door for a while there. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of enjoying that each one of us has a fan of a moment, you know, like me, I, I'm true Godzilla, so I'll take him as bad guy, take him as a good guy. And there are others that only prefer him as the hero or as the villain. Sure. I think that Marvel could certainly learn from uh, the Godzilla properties in doing a Hulk, because I think if you made Hulk, the Incredible Hulk, a horror, which it kind of was when it began, it was was a a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of thing. And if you did that in black and white and just had him tearing stuff up, and he wasn't really a hero and people were like what are we gonna do to contain this thing we can't even kill the guy that it inhabits because it'll just turn into the hulk and then do a bigger rampage i think that they would have that would have legs uh i don't believe i like mark ruffalo i don't believe that that hulk had the kind of legs that i a dark horror oriented, maybe even in black and white kind of he changes only at night kind of Hulk would have. I think that would be legit terrifying. I mean, a guy just quadrupling his size and throwing cars and that would be terrifying. And that's something that I believe Marvel has done more consistently in the comics than they've ever done on television or movies is that, oh, this is a chaotic fluke kind of thing that just happens and we just try to contain him and hope that he calms down enough not to destroy New Mexico again. (laughs) So, and they've never done that in the movies. They just were like, ah, you know, and they gave him a brain right away. They just, you know, they gave him. Yeah, well, that's true because in in the Immortal Hulk, and I've been an off and on Hulk fan, but I mean the Immortal Hulk or Hulk Immortal, mm-hmm. they went to dark. They and did. They, they they really basically made Hulk it's smart enough to realize he would just say the other guy. Sure. You know the other guy basically was the forgiving one. Sure. And, sure. And you know the idea that Bruce Banner was he died every time, he died. He lost a little bit of part of himself. He would never lose all of it. Sure. But he would lose a little bit part of himself. And the Hulk is what kept them going. And these are factors that they could do in the dark. Or they could do, like, because, I mean, you had Eric, you know, in what was the Hulk or the Incredible Hulk? What was that first movie? Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, the one that was uh, Ed Norton? No, Ed Norton was in between. Oh, Mark. the Eric ba- Bana Hulk. Yes. Yes. He was able to, he was able to convey the emotions. Yes, I they they made some misfires when it came to a villain, which I think is the unfortunate thing about that uh, particular uh, movie, that iteration, is they made some mistakes there. 
I, they always want to have the villain, the Lex Luthor, the Green Goblin. They always have to have a villain. And I don't think that they need to do that for the Hulk. I think the Hulk can be a villain. He can be a tragic hero villain character. And you can just well, follow him around with people. Show. Yeah, they did that in the TV show. And excuse me, you can just go with that. You don't need to have some big powerful thing that also like an absorbing man or whatever they were trying to do there. Uh, as a as a villain as a foil you can have just this story about this man who's very timid and shy who was abused as a child who has this raging gamma irradiated id that just destroys stuff i think that would be a compelling story but they just don't want to do that because they need to have action set pieces and they need to have a love interest and they need to have all of the things so that it tests markets in the proper way for audiences. And that's sad because I think it, 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 it makes that character, which is actually one of their deeper characters, one of their stronger characters, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, it makes it weak. It makes it a weak property. It does. But, and it's also the fact that the problem with Marvel versus DC is they're, they're people pleasers. Yes, you know, certainly the to, for the DC, bottom line, they are people pleasers for sure. No, no, Warner Brothers is more the bottom line. You know, even if they make a profit of 250 and the movie costs 200 million, well, that's not enough profit. So they got reboot. Sure. But Marvel is, you know, someone can complain, well, I was offended because that symbol, the Navajo symbol, which we all know is also the German symbol. Sure. Or, also known as the Buddhist symbol. Oh, you mean the not the swastika? Yes, 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 yes. And I and think it all depends on how it's turned and everything else, and you don't know how to deal with that. No, and I think the problem is that they do the focus group testing within an inch of its life with all of these properties. So rather than taking actual risks, uh, they just play it safe. And by playing it safe, they actually limit the quality of it. And they're not really necessarily bringing in more people. I don't think people are going to line up to go, ooh, an Incredible Hulk movie, except people who are comic book fans anyway. And comic book fans would appreciate a horror version of the Incredible Hulk. I think they'd appreciate that much more than, you know, uh, whatever they were trying to do in She-Hulk and whatever they were trying to do in the Avengers movies. Well, that's exactly the problem they had with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and that's why Alan Moore feels the way he does. Because, sure. you know, Quartermain was supposed to be doing morphine, okay, as a no. Mm -hmm. And then they bought in, you know, Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn, even though one of them is killed off. Sure. And that was to get the younger female audience. Sure. And that's a no. You know, and it, it and they made uh, the Invisible Man into a good guy instead of a bad guy. Sure. Yeah. You know? And I and, and all I, these things I can understand, but it changes the story. It does, and I think that that's going to probably lead us into what our main topic today is, which is you know, sort of the whole notion of woke and uh, woke casting and. Uh, and these market forces that aren't serving what maybe those that are in the market are trying to have them serve. Because I think that goes into how they cast these things. And they cast these things 
Hold on one second. Sorry about that. Someone was passing through with their dog. So, um, but that's one of the things that ends up being, you know, a problem is that they figure, well, if we cast this character or that character, then maybe we can bring in X amount more people. And I think with some of these nerd properties, you're going to get the people you're going to get no matter what. And some people just go see whatever the new action film is. And they're not thinking, oh, if I, I'm going to go see this movie based on the casting decisions, which reflect me. I think people who at least see these nerd properties are just like, oh, I want to see how well they translate Tolkien to the movies or the comic books to the movies. They're not so concerned with this. And the end result is they, you know, end up making situations where you make a whole bunch of racists hot, you make a whole bunch of people who are authentic comic book or movie property people who want the same story told hot and you know and then you end up losing money i mean poor mar the marvels i mean i i could have told them that that wasn't going to work for multiple reasons not that it had anything to do with casting but that everything now when it comes to casting and casting people of color casting women there are going to be people already that are not going to be interested in seeing it because they're going to think they're being it's woke casting, you know? Well, and, it's not just that. Go on. It's, it's not just that. I was just thinking, and this is from yesterday, but it's a gift to be a truly gifted casting director. Oh, yeah. Because the best example is, example is Ben Kingsley as Gundy because sure. it's organic. Sure. Or Colin Farrell. You know, as the penguin, because there's no way you would look at the man and think of him as the penguin. But if you do a little bit of different way of looking at the penguin, not about his nose, but just what he's cold as ice, you know, he's he's a cold gangster. Boom. I understand, done. but he, he doesn't even have the weight. You know, no. he doesn't even have the weight or anything for him to see that. And but what I'm saying is that's the same thing as Michael Keaton with Batman years ago. Sure. And the this is their gift. And we as fans, we grumble what we appreciate when it's done right. Sure. But what they don't understand is there are things we don't even know where they came from, like the idea of dwarven women having beards. Who? I don't even remember oh, yeah. that. Dwar Dwar <laughs> yes. You know, we yes, don't sir. even know where they came from. It just became accepted. But, sure. you know, I don't even think Tolkien had that. I really sure. don't. And but he became accepted. And, you know, when they were up there screaming about the, what was it, the Ring of Power? Mm -hmm. And having black elves and black dwarves. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are reasons that that could happen. There are reasons that couldn't happen. What I mean is, okay, let's say they're all world, traditional European white. Elves are notorious and so adorers of being horny. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> They'd probably get around. Elves would get their elves would get their 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 pointed green, ear green freak on. on. <laughs> yeah, they'd get their pointed ear freak on for sure. I well, and I think this is the thing, and this is where. I think the woke thing is often disingenuous because I think now it is a way to crucify any situation that has women or people of color in it. Arguably, Butterfly McQueen, the actress who won uh, the first black actress to win an Oscar, was right. in a supporting role in uh, 
in Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind right. itself, uh, a bit of a retelling of the South to make the South kind of look bad. Certainly, well, least, certainly Miss Scarlet. Too. Yeah, certainly Miss Scarlet. So had people right now been transported to then, Butterfly McQueen would have actually actually been considered a woke casting. They would, and her getting the Oscar would have been thought of as woke. Now they don't really want to address their disingenuousness when it comes to decrying woke anytime someone's cast that's a woman or a person that's transgender or gay or you know a person of color. But there's an element of disingenuousness to it. I mean, it's like, come on. I mean, who was? Did you ever see Obi Wan that limited series? With yes. Ewan McGregor. Um, so I think that caught a lot of heat because the Inquisitor. Inquisitor? Yes, yeah. Yeah, Moses her. Ingram. She did, I thought, a great job. And it was the first time I really felt, outside of the very end of, of what was it? Um, Mandalorian? or Not Mandalorian. Uh, uh, the, what was the one where the, Rogue One? At the very end of Rogue One, Darth Vader is legit terrifying. That's the Darth Vader in my mind, not in movies, but in my mind as a 10-year-old seeing Empire Strikes Back. Right. And the Darth Vader of Obi-Wan was legit terrifying. That was a child-murdering sociopath. For sure. Right. For sure. And nope, don't care about that. Care about the Black Inquisitor. <laughs> Exactly. And and that, that's like... exactly it detract it detracts and dis distracts. Cause again, what people don't understand as people of our hue. Sure. This is our public service announcement. Yes. Those are do you have care. melanin? Yes. We don't <laughs> care what race you are, you can be a Jedi or a Sith. Sure. We don't care what race you are, you can be a green lantern. Sure. We Nobody said what race you... Yeah, you nobody said door. Yeah. Or a Kryptonian. No one said <laughs> anything about Sam Jackson being Mace Windu. No one. Yeah. But you know what? Now, if that same character came out, woke well, casting. Same exactly. with Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams. You know they would be like, oh, woke casting. Billy D. Williams. He's only good for advertising malt liquor. I mean, they would yeah. have they would have tore that movie apart. So I am saying out loud to cyberspace, 90. Ah, 70% of anybody decrying woke is utter BS. They are just mad about casting. Now, the 25%? Okay, yes. They are trying to... I mean, it did feel a little artificial in uh, Avengers Endgame when all the women came together to support... Oh, yeah, I remember that scene. I even told but, my friends about that. But you know what? I didn't care because if I had... It, I. Was my daughter at that at that time? I think that maybe I took my daughter to that. And that was a perfect moment for her, you know? Right. I mean, so yes, maybe shoveled in, maybe artificially created. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, I didn't lose any sleep over it. There were people that really wanted to set their hair on fire on how ridiculous that was. 
Never mind that the entire premise of infinity gauntlets and time traveling and magic users and people who can walk on walls and superpowered suits. Eight feet tall and purple. Don't forget, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like no, not all that's believable. But a bunch of women come together that are superheroes fighting. Now that just strains. That strains the the logic. It's like, come on. These are fictional characters. Slow your roll, buddy boy. It's not, <laughs> you know. Okay, well, yes, was it was it a little forced? Sure, um, but I thought it was a nice moment, and I think that for girls getting into and young women getting into comics, I think it would have been like, yay! I, I'm I'm in this. I could I can. I can feel like I'm the Valkyrie, or I could uh, not Valkyrie, but yeah, Valkyrie was in that. Rescue, was in, rescue yeah. was. Uh, or, or I could. The Iron feel, Man suit. Yeah, yeah, I could feel like I was, you know, any number of these female characters. Uh, my only beef with that whole thing was having Captain Marvel be so powerful that she was like a Deus Ex Machina, who, if she had just shown up any earlier, none of it would have happened. <laughs> Well, so they they kind of made her a little OP in my personal opinion, but that's uh that's nothing. That's another subject for another time. It has nothing to do with gender. Well, my problem is is two things, which you just said is true from the point of view that Marvel seems to movie wise, if it's a guy, you know, we're gonna make him either be crazy or just off him. If it's a woman, Scarlet Witch. She has maternal reasons for sure. going nuts and we, killing half the planet. Instead like, of somebody going, you uh, know what? There's got to be a multiverse out there, America, yeah, sure. that has the mother just died, and I can kind of take their place. Sure. No, no we we uh, Freud, uh, your your analysis is <laughs> your 19th century analysis is calling. <laughs> yeah, I I we don't have to stick to these tropey bs kinds of things i don't feel like comic books do very often i mean really in terms of any kind of maternal side to things i guess the scarlet witch has some of that because of uh what they tried to play with is with her children not really being real in the comics they did kind of touch on that in the movies but you know sue storm i suppose but for the most part it's just uh mostly single women Jessica Jones, you know, and Luke Cage have a, a child, but, you know, uh, Catwoman and Batman in, uh, uh, speaking of multiverses, they, you know, they have right. a child, but in general, it's, it's, it's a pretty childless <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. genre. And, you know, also the, the other thing is now they have almost everyone, every sequel, as far as generational is now a woman. That's the other way Marvel carry, caters to it. It's like, come on guys, somebody had a son. Somebody. Sure, sure. Well, and, and I think all douches, and we're gonna talk about Scarlet Witch's sons. Sure. <laughs> well, I think. Well, I think the thing that's interesting is that I understand from a casting director bean counter kind of position why you would want to have some of these things happen. Uh, I knew that the Marvels was going to fail because uh, I just don't see. I don't see. Brie Larson as an actress being able to carry uh, a movie real strongly. She's great. She's talented. I've liked other things that she's been in, but I think that to carry a movie 
it's pretty tough to carry a superheroine movie. I think Gal Gadot did it in Wonder Woman, but Wonder Woman is arguably the strongest, no pun intended, uh, female character ever created outside of things I think that happened in X-Men. I mean, X-Men characters are really strong as 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 woman characters, but Wonder Woman, that's a pretty iconic role. Everybody- That's like the, the tip. Yeah, the I top mean, of the line. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I could ask anyone prior to the Marvel Cinematic Universe who Wonder Woman is, and everybody would have known. I asked anyone prior to the Marvel Cinematic Universe who Tony Stark is, outside of comic book people, no one would have known. No one would have known. No one would have known who Miss Marvel is, you know, outside of comic book fans, and arguably a small amount of them, because it wasn't until a couple of later runs that were done uh, for Miss Marvel that she even became a really iconic character, because she was in and yeah. out of the Avengers. But right, and they would never do certain storylines. Let's point that out. They'll never do certain storylines because of Miss Marvel. Sure. And and the top of it all, they were it is another thing we hear everybody talks about the outfits and yeah, I'm a guy and yeah, I'm a fanboy and all the other stuff. But some of the outfits made sense for where they were at. Sure. They well, were her seventies outfit. <laughs> her huh? her seventies outfit, it was, you know, it was a little revealing. <laughs> but I would say it was also the time period of where they're at. You know, sure. I mean, like Wonder Woman, this is armor, but I'm surrounded by women and we're not thinking about that. We're warriors no matter what. Well, what was but interesting... The yeah. is leaking. A lot of people complaining about the Amazons. What are wearing? Yippee. It's like, okay, the temperature is like 100 degrees. Um, sure. We're having wear. I'm sure. just listening. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And I think that's part of the problem with... Uh, uh, that people run into with female characters and comic book medium is that uh, all of... Uh, I think that writers tend to be men uh, readers tend to be men, and the world is not 100% men, and so some of those male writers will have female characters, and with varying results as far as their clumsiness in writing them. Uh, I forgot the uh, the writer of Ms. Marvel that really, I want to say Amanda Con Connor? Oh, gosh, I don't remember her name. Um, anyways, she did a really good uh, Ms. Marvel run, uh, but I don't remember. Uh, and not, uh, of course, the Kamala Khan Ms. Marvel has was well written as well. So there are times when people can write female characters really well that happen to be men. But I think that the Ms. Marvel run that I'm thinking of, that was uh, Captain Marvel run that was really well done was by uh, a woman writer. I just wish I could remember her name because it just feels so dismissive not to remember it. But anyways, that said, yeah, I I think there's always going to be a clumsiness there. And But I could have told them that the Marvels wasn't going to work because I think there's a little bit of, you know, anti-Muslim sentiment. There's a lot of sexism. <laughs> Uh, the characters themselves aren't tentpole Superman, Batman, Spider-Man kinds of iconic characters. And there was a ton of superhero fatigue. People are, I, I don't think any superhero movie is doing real well since, uh, you know, Endgame. 
Well, again, that's because they don't know. It's not so much they don't know what they're doing, but it's like like I told you before in one of our our podcasts was Uh that, you know, the kaiju, kaiju movement, for lack of a better term. Sure. We're small, but we're dedicated. Uh Uh-huh. Well, it's the same thing about, we'll say, fans of far more than, far more than being superheroes or magicians or whatever the reason is. Uh huh. The person goes as a character. I can be nothing more than like next. You remember when uh, Nicolas Cage did his superhero movie where he was just able to see a few seconds in the future? Uh huh. Or you know, where Hayden Christian had the movie Jumper where he could actually teleport anywhere, anytime, anywhere. Uh huh. We don't mind that because that's again the fantasy of what we would like in our life. But when you have all these rules and opinions and speculations and you know, I mean, because sometimes, yeah, you need the villain because it makes sense. Okay, not everyone's going to be good who has the same power. Okay, that's where their argument always comes from. So that's where you have, like, uh, Hancock, you sure. know. And that was that was, er, that was fairly early doors uh, for superhero films because I think only the Batman movies and maybe a Spider-Man movie or two had been out by the time Hancock happened. Yeah, that was about 20 years ago. Yeah. So, and you know, it was fine. I thought it was fine. Uh, I'm not a huge Will Smith fan. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> I. I don't know. I just, I think I've always sort of been bugged by him. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> I don't know why. Even when it was Fresh Prince, I was like, eh, you're kind of annoying. Uh, <laughs> I think it's because. He can act, he he is us, but he can get away with things that we know if we try to do, we would be mocked, criticized, ridiculed, well, or abused. Or... <laughs> well, I just feel like it took him a long time to do, well, he started off wanting to do, I forgot, what was it, Six Degrees of Separation, which that was could have been coming out. Yeah, which could have been a really good movie, but I think that he had some issues with the sexuality of the character. But I feel like he has mostly been a mainstream movie person. He's not like a Sidney Poitier or anything doing sort of these slightly challenging characters in slightly challenging situations. He's always been in the movies as someone you're supposed to root for. Her um, hero is already in charge. Yeah, you know, big characters. I mean, like, I didn't even... I mean, I thought he was fine in Independence Day. Welcome to Earth. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, he has he has bugged me. But that said, Hancock was, I thought, one of the things that I was like, oh, this is fine. This is okay. Um, I guess if Will Smith's publicist is listening... <laughs> That's him now. <laughs> that's him now on the phone yep sure is uh <laughs> if will smith's publicist is on the is, is listening i would say he should have been doing the crazy sketchy uh edgy movies earlier than he did um because he's just been too much a goody two-shoes good guy for too long for me to buy that oh now he's a slave or oh now he's ali <laughs> it's like no well no. that's the argument they have about rain brady but it's easy to see how rain brady or anthony anderson especially now that he's getting older because his face is becoming harder <laughs> sure but you know i <laughs> think that guys. you know what i loved about wayne brady though is that on uh, that that bit on the Chappelle show 
oh my gosh, that was the that was the best thing he could have ever done for his persona. You know, when he just basically acts like a, <laughs> a prostitute beating crazed criminal training day Denzel Washington type character on <laughs> in yeah. that Dave Chappelle skit because it was like, oh, this guy actually has a sense of humor about the roles he's being cast in and the the public perception of him as a goody two shoes. I thought it was great. Uh, I have I have not seen Will Smith do that. So, you know, actually, here's what he needs to do. Will Smith's publicist needs to call me and produce my show. That's so quantum. <laughs> Just say something about his wife. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to get slapped. Uh, black and black crime. It's always a thing. And that's all that happened. Just, just say it. You know? Oh, goodness. I just, I was embarrassed for everyone involved in that. I was like, just showing your ass is what my mother would call that. Um, and it I'm turned out they weren't even, him and Jada weren't even together. Now we're turning into gossip. Gossip, old man blurred. Uh <laughs> But it's As, more of who cares? That's right, what it is. <laughs> right? Who cares? Yeah, I don't care enough to know that you've been entangled with someone. I don't need to know your business. I really, really, really don't. So, but back to woke. So I could have told them that the Marvels would fail because there's just – it was a perfect storm of things that would not be successful. The increasing misogyny of online spaces, the increasing anti-Muslim sentiment in online spaces, uh, the fact that none of the characters are really big characters uh, to speak of. I mean, you couldn't do a Wasp movie either, you know? And I think the Wasp is a great character. You could do a Wasp TV show, probably, you know? Her married to Yellow Jacket and him being an abusive wife beating jerk yeah you could you could do that as a tv show but when it comes down to it there's only a handful of female characters in comic books that are big enough to draw in audiences because you know right now i think it's still safe to say that comic book audiences are still predominantly male and those weren't popular characters. So you weren't going to bring in a large audience of women and young women and girls to see that movie, probably. Certainly not enough to justify the, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollar price tag. So, you know. Anyways, mm-hmm. I'm going to take one break. I'm going to check on my wife. She's a bit under the weather. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, hold on. I shall be right back. All right, I am back. Yeah, my my wife, I almost called my, her my mother. My is that some sort of Freudian <laughs> Electra Oedipal complex <laughs> slip? Anyway, my wife is quite under the weather and having some coughing jags, so I wanted to check on her whilst my dog is scrambling around the floor. So, thank you ladies and gentlemen for being patient. So, yeah, I don't know. Did you think it was going to ever be successful, the Marvels? I should be very honest. I haven't thought about it one way or the other, to be very yeah. honest. Because right, you... once they, they changed Captain Marvel, as you know, was a blonde hair to a woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about before Carol. Sure. 
you know, the original I mean, Captain I, Marvel with Rick Jones, silver haired, you know, enemy of Thanos, that Captain Marvel. No, we're going further back. Going to Captain Marvel, that was one of the Queen. Oh, the Queen. Yeah. Mar- yeah, Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, Marvel right. or whatever. Yep. Yeah. The guy who died from the bands because he had cancer. Yes, I have the death of Captain Marvel. That's still one of the one of the better, better comic books from that time period. It was one of the first. And sort see, of... they could have done that, and then have her pass the torch and have her mixed blood made it so they don't affect her the same. I mean, there's so many things that could have did. Sure. And people would have liked that. I but mean, it... I have nothing, nothing against that. But as you said, the wokeness they don't they they have a task they want to do, do the task. Just do it the right way, and people will appreciate it. It's yeah, that and, easy. And I, I think you also have to address your opposition. At this point, there are fair, there are very few movies that could be carried by one woman superhero, or even a trio of women superheroes. There just, there just aren't enough that are that popular. Wonder Woman is an exception. You uh, now, I would say that if you do an X Men movie correctly, there are arguably more strong women characters in X Men than in any comic book property. I mean, you have Storm, you have Rogue, you have Marvel, uh, uh Marvel Girl slash Frost. Jean Grey slash Phoenix. You have who? Frost, Emma Frost. Yeah, you have you have Emma Frost who's is great. You have all of you have Mystique. You have all these characters that uh Kitty Pride, you know, Kate Pride. Uh these are really interesting, unique, different characters that happen to be women that would be that you wouldn't have to force any kind of um issues with because they just have it they just have all of the things that uh i think would make a well-rounded woman-led feature i don't know what well i think one of the problems with you know one of the problems with wokeness is is the same problem they're having to degree with um politics pardon i think one of the problems with wokeness the same problem they're having with politics uh, you work with certain people of a certain race, of a certain age, because I worked with a couple. They'll say that, you know, all of a sudden their heroes as children are bad guys. Uh-huh. And that's one of the problems that were wokeness, you know. This person was that. This person was that. You know, and some of the stuff we know to be true. Like, we know Andrew Jackson was not a very nice person. No, he was not. And I but, think... Well, and so... Yeah, I mean, you can still cast and create content with people of color in it, women in it, transgender and and gay characters in it without it feeling pandery. And I think the X-Men is a perfect example because the X-Men, I mean, there are characters that happen to be gay. There are characters that happen to be women. There are characters that happen to be lesbian. There's characters that happen to be black. There's a dog That's who's barking at my feet. Pardon? That was the strength of the Legends of Tomorrow TV show, exactly what you just described. Yes, and everybody loved that show. It was a great show. I think that you can have shows that ha- that do have representation without having to feel pandery, feel market-tested, feel constructed in such a way 
as to uh, look like you're only thinking about things in economic ways and just, you know, I don't care if uh, if white men like this show, I'm going to cast these people. It's like, you know, just there there are things that are natural, like you say, natural casting. X-Men, you do a decent X-Men movie with as many diverse characters are in X-Men, no one's going to bat an eye because they know that certain characters are gay. North Star's gay. They know certain characters are are lesbian. They know certain characters are, you know, from this place and that place and this old and this young. And, you know, you, it, it's natural. It's not forced. Uh, but like I say, I still stick to my view. 75% of the uh the things being called woke is just disingenuous closet racism or sexism or homophobia all three yes just just blanket it yeah yeah i mean but i would also say there was the character the woman that i guess she was a right-wing uh actress in the mandalorian i that was yeah yeah she who cares what she says on on social media? Just well, see, that's that's one of the problems I truly have. What you just said, not that she said it, but the fact that we can't tell people you have a right to have an opinion, you have freedom of speech, and then because you say it wrong, not only can I condemn you, but I can basically effectively do the modern blacklist equivalent. Sure, sure, and, and you know I... your possibilities. And I will say that when it comes to these people being quote unquote canceled, the only people I ever see that it stays canceled seems to be people of color and women anyway. <laughs> it's like, I think Louis CK is still doing stuff. I think there's plenty of people that are still doing stuff. Uh, but she effectively got sort of blacklisted Why? from, yeah, from she would, I, I don't know what she's doing now. And, you know, I wouldn't, I didn't agree with anything that she said. I'm a, you know, flamingly liberal in most cases but i also am open-minded enough and secure enough that if somebody has some right-wing view that doesn't change it for me of being like oh i can't like this person you know i think but that gets into like we've been talking about of how do you separate art from the artist you know, can someone say something obnoxious and you still go, well, she plays that character on The Mandalorian well, so whatever. Well, yeah, and also the point comes to, are you proving them right in their belief? Even if they're they're not racist, all of a sudden have you awakened racism by doing what you just did? I think that's going to be the eternal question. I think there are some people who would say that uh people who do um people who uh point out racism actually cause racism and you know i think there's some proof or evidence that it doesn't help i think that's one of the things that's the problem with some of this quote unquote woke casting is that you know casting a black little mermaid i think is fine doesn't bother me it's a fictional character who cares but i think that that makes people who might be slightly on the fence to say hmm you know and push them over to the other side 
Uh, I kind of tend to think that if you're going to be a racist or a sexist or a homophobe, I don't think a movie and its casting changes that calculus for you. <laughs> like, I think you're no. already probably you're already probably racist, sexist, homophobic or transphobic if you uh, have a problem with the casting. So they need to look in themselves, maybe. Um, but I do think that what it does is it empowers those voices that people want to say aren't racist to be a bit more outspoken about that their racism yes so that's the real problem the end result is that the only people it damages is the people of color and the lgbtq community really because then it's just you have a whole bunch of people saying ah we don't like this we're not going to patronize this star wars fans gosh they're like the worst right now i mean and here hot take this is the hottest take i have ready ready ladies and gentlemen this is the hottest take i have star wars is just okay it's great if you're 10 it's great it's fantastic if you're watching the empire strikes back and you're 10 um uh, it's no Akira Kurosawa. Come on, <laughs> it's it's not. Come on, be nice. It's, it's no okay. I will I will peddle that back somewhat. I love Star Wars. I mean, but, it, you know, you're starting but to it's sound not, like a, a Rocky Mountains film critic. <laughs> yeah, but Rocky it's Mountain new it, It's like uh, it's good and it can be great, but you know, it's it's not Citizen Kane. Come on. Um, <laughs> oh, see, that's the thing, though. You and I both know that the movie is not for you. Why are you watching it? Because there's some movies I'll watch, and I'll tell you exactly it does exactly what they said they were going to do, and that's exactly what I'll say. Sure. Will and I watch it again? Probably not. <laughs> well, and you know, I and I say that as a person who's watched Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi dozens of times each, I'm sure. I've watched Obi-Wan. I watched Rogue One. I've watched uh, The Mandalorian. I am a Star Wars fan, but the way that some people take it, it's like, calm down. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, everybody might... calm down. And how it affected them at the time when they needed it is where I'm going to defend them, even though I'm not a Star Wars fan as much as you are. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing is that we we have talked about the divide between Star Wars and Star Trek, and my mind loves Star Trek. My uh, boyhood boyishness, yeah, sure, loves Star Wars. Uh, I I think that it would be nice if some of the deeper concepts were fleshed out in Star Wars more. We might have to have a whole Star Wars, Star Trek pod, I think, because oh, war began because, <laughs> you know, I, Star Trek needs to get way more props and Star Wars. Yeah, people need to calm down. But the problem is, is that it really it lodges so deeply in the DNA of your preteen boy and no one's more nostalgic than people who used to be preteen boys. Well, also there's the there's the case, Your Honor, of the fact that Star Wars has not a hundred hours of stuff, and it includes audio, while Star Trek has almost a thousand. Sure, and you know I'll tell you like it is there. If you there are some episodes of Next Generation or of Deep Space Nine, at, or the early Trek 
that are absolutely transformational. Like sometimes they get to that twilight zone level of like, oh, this is art. This is actually art. And I I don't know that Star Wars ever attains that really. Like remember the episode where Picard got knocked out and by that satellite and he lived a whole life as yeah. I mean you don't get better in television science fiction and science, science fiction, fiction that science than, fiction philosophy we'll say that yeah you know I mean the one thing that Star Wars had going for it was the Force, which they ruined with the midi chlorians or whatever. They just ruined that. They could have made it like chi or hockey from One Piece, but no, they just said, ah, it's just a bunch of cells in your body and you have a balance of them. And then we let's t- toss in a virgin birth while we're at it. <laughs> it's like, no. Well, it's not quite a virgin birth. I mean, didn't they, didn't they, char- didn't they sort of allude that uh, Anakin was a, uh, it was a virgin birth? I think they well, did. Well, think about it was a uh, God. What was that called? Shows you how much I'm a Star Wars fan. It's the, basically when it where's the end of it, as far as Anakin becoming Darth Vader. Sure. When he's there. with the senator, uh huh, in the elevator for lack of a better term, he's trying to turn to the dark side. Sure. He says we can even awaken the body to create life, meaning he influenced Anakin's mother. Sure read him yes that was where they were kind of alluding to a virgin birth and it's like you know uh, come on Star Wars. It, it, it didn't just it didn't just happen he he pushed sure <laughs> sure and then bringing him back in these later movies palpatine it's kind of like come on guys i mean that's what made the mandalorian so great it was basically firefly it was like a space western and it was perfect you know, it was I arguably the best thing Star Wars did since Empire Strikes Back, in my opinion. Uh, but again, you didn't like the monster, the Boba Fett. Uh, what was it, the t- Tale of Boba Fett, or whatever that limited series was? Book of Boba Fett. Book of Boba Fett. Uh, oh, Book of Boba Fett. That's right. Uh, I didn't even watch it. I, <laughs> I did. I think, I, and that's why it's like it's like this toxic fandom around star wars it's like the books now the the books go there the books will actually go into places where star trek goes it's still very much within the paradigm of of good versus evil you know that binary notion which you know I think anybody who's taken even a philosophy 101 course knows is maybe the universe is a little more complex than good versus evil that said, the books go much deeper, but they didn't stick to the books. They just said, ah, we're not going to do that. Well, see, that was Disney because mm-hmm. uh, George George, and the books said they're gray. And mm-hmm. I always thought it was ironic. Everything's four letters. Sure. Jedi, four letters. Sith, four letters. And gray. Sure. But, you know, and if you think about it, they can't deny gray because Disney, like, well, when we see Sith and Jedi, Mace Windu was gray. There was no way that man was not a little sippish. Yeah, you know? Rock, rocking the purple, the purple uh, lightsaber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that was Sam Jackson going. I wanted to be purple. Yeah, that was it. A little but bit still, of Prince. I mean, a little bit of Prince you know, there. The, well, he said it was his favorite color. Sure. But blue. 
is usually for Jedi and ran into these for Sif. And so would Gray be? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he was definitely purple adjacent. Excuse me. I think. Yeah, and so this this all of these arguments about like oh it's I I mean I don't I don't even know how I know Kathleen Kennedy as a person. I mean I can't think of anybody who's a producer. I don't know names of producers or or or. Uh, showrunners or things like that. I mean, I do sometimes, but very, I mean, I've never heard so much about one person as I've heard about Kathleen Kennedy and the fandom hating what she's doing. And admittedly, she said some things that set their teeth on edge because she said, I guess at some point she was quoted as saying she didn't care about what men wanted or if she makes men nervous or something like that. But I mean, I, well, a good example is I'm as as much as I'm not a Star Wars fan, I'm an Indiana Jones fan. Sure. And so they did the next generation creating Mutt, and then they killed off Mutt. You know, mm-hmm. and see me as a scribbler, because like I said, I'm not a writer, I'm a scribbler. Sure. <laughs> they could have, because he got killed in Vietnam, they could have made him have a dust child. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, they could. They, there's all kinds of places you can go. I'm oh, sure. No, no. I mean, a dust child, as in you know, American soldier, Vietnam girl. Sure. That would have that would have added a total twist, because you know, seeing India as a grandpa. Sure. Yeah. You know, not knowing what to do, you know. <laughs> sure, they could do that. I mean, but part of the problem is that some of these roles are so iconic by by the people that have made them, it would be hard to reboot them with other people. Like I can't even imagine an Indiana Jones movie without Harrison Ford. I, I just no, that's can't. Why I said have it be his grandchild, what I mean, you know. Sure. Well, and it's still uh, but I think so this is where I think these producers and these directors and these production companies need to kind of just own that this isn't going to do well because a large lure of the character has to do with Harrison Ford. I mean, Harrison Ford, I would argue he is more Indiana Jones than Han Solo even. You know, oh, yeah, I'll go there. I'll you definitely know? go there. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's more iconic and more central for him as an actor than than Han Solo ever was. That said, he's done art well, and he's done more movies, right? At this point, he was in three, yeah. four movies with Star Wars. He did, he did uh Jack Jack uh, Ryan. He's yeah. a Jack Ryan he for was. all the. Tom Clancy. He was, he was wasn't he a wasn't like he a times. Jack Reacher or whatever? Was he a Reacher? No, that was Tom Cruise, no, no, I think. No, that's Cruise. That was Cruise. Well, totally, and that's see, that's a good example of, of woke negative. Mm-hmm. Because Alan, who does him now in the TV show, mm-hmm. actually looked more like the character from the book versus Cruise, who is like six inches shorter than the character described. Yeah. That's among out. other things. Well, and that's the thing is that sometimes, you know, uh, I mean, I don't I, I feel like when I was reading the James Bond books, uh, he was always closer to like a Timothy Dalton than anyone else. I think he was pretty solidly brunette, right? I think. In the yeah, books. He was, he, I'd he spent was more since, like that. Uh, yeah, I and, haven't read uh, those in, since eighth grade. So, yeah, he was more like that. And he was more like Sean Connery. You know, sure. and if you want to go Pierce Brosnan, but in other words, he was not Roger Moore at all. Yeah. Well, and if that's a thing where I mean, could I, I wouldn't mind seeing an Idris Shaw be a James Bond if James Bond is less a 
character and more of a role. Does that make sense? Like, like Money Penny is a character, but M is a role. Like, there's various M's, right? Right. Maybe James Bond. If you look at James Bond as no, that's the title of whoever we slot into this place, then that works. Well, yeah, basically, then you're going Casino Royale from the '60s. Yeah. It's like with the David Niven James Bond and the Peter Sellers James Bond in the same movie. Yeah, it's like well, I mean I don't see that. Those are things I think people can accept. Now I do think there are people who would set their hair on fire in in Britain if if there was a James Bond that was black. Not everybody, obviously, but there would be some. They'd be pretty hot about that, I think, uh, because thing, he plugs because... into sort of this imperial uh the greatness that is the british empire kind of thing beg to differ you don't think so you think so no i think he's more i think he is more of a of a like to said about chris eckerson when he did uh doctor who as a number nine mm-hmm. you know he bought the same thing that i think sean connery and to degree all but all but roger moore because Roger Moore was too busy being hierarchy in class, and I'm not talking negative in that sense. I'm talking about you just could never imagine him working in a factory. No. You could imagine Pierce Brosnan even working in a factory. He just got up, you know, in the company. Sure. But but you can never imagine Roger Moore day one being in a company, and that's what Chris bought because before then, they were always either the professor or a teacher or something. Only Tom Baker bought in the idea that maybe he's not rap type. Sure. You maybe know? he's a little bit nutty. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then Paul McGowan bought in. Maybe he's not so much not rap type. Maybe he is just an adventurer. Sure. You know, when you took over for Sylvester McCoy in the TV movie. Sure. But, but. Without those two, it was always basically a high aristocrat. Hmm. Always. So, just to reiterate, do you think Idris Shaw could be the Bond? Or would that be a kind of a woke casting? I think they could, if they're written right. Mm -hmm. I think if you make it a role and not him as a person. If James Bond is a person, you know, who was married and his wife died, if you're doing that, that would be tough. If you do it as that is just the name of that agent, whoever is the 007 ha- has to go by James Bond, then I think it works. <clears throat> and well, I can also do it with, uh, go ahead. Oh, and I think that uh, right now I haven't heard any criticism over the new doctor yet, but it is early doors. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got something in my throat there. I, I think that, uh, Maybe when the season gets going for the new Doctor Who, we'll see. You know, it will depend on the writing. And if they make a bunch of shows that have to do with only race, then we might hear some blowback. But, yeah. Well, the biggest thing I've heard is that, you know, his companion's leaving after one year or two. And it's like, well, that's about the same time the most companions, very few companions last the two or three Doctors. That's true. That's true. Sarah Jane is one of the few that <laughs> kept popping yeah. up. Yeah, Rose lasted a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think any uh, Clara lasted a bit because she was both uh, Matt Smith as well as Capaldi. Right. 
but, but yeah, otherwise they really don't last that's true and so she put a a a, a, a market a mark a, a hard stop for it huh yeah she said she's just gonna do something else and they they apparently are approving of that too so it was mutual and it doesn't have to be bad it just left the mystery of a couple things you know Huh. How, how that person know what's going on here all that little mysteries that doesn't mean because most companions can return sure and have returned sure sarah jane even came back for a bit yeah she did you know i mean that's one of the good things with the who verse uh specials when they had layla come back sure you know well it's it's i think that the who thing has been very much like a family thing in some ways except for the people the companions that die or are stuck in perpetual almost going to die like i think clara and fred i think are both in that place aren't they yeah so yeah i don't know woke Again, I just I I just really have issues with it most of the time but on both ends. I'm I'm in the middle of both ends because I see how pandery can be, which is lame. But I also think a lot of arguments decrying woke are just homophobic or racist or whatever else, and just people complaining. And you know, I we all love these characters, and we all have these visions as to what should or should not happen with them. Uh, but I I think that when you're just trying to come up with all kinds of wacky reasons, when all you really want to say is, I don't think they should be black. <laughs> I don't think they should be gay. Uh, and you're just kind of creating a, a, all of this other smoke and mirrors about, well, I, you know, I don't think that that's what Tolkien meant. And uh, just just be honest with yourself and say, ah, I just don't see my bond or well, that's elves you can or whatever being black. You can accept a woman being five feet, if that, and having a bigger beard than you and I ever could, but you can't accept her having a darker hue. Please explain. Yeah, I know. You know? <laughs> well, that's where you have to go. Well, actually, Tolkien was writing this as a, you know, an expression of Northern European mythological uh, paradigms. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Just say yeah. you want to only see white elves. That's fine knock yourself out they don't exist here's a hot take elves don't exist and they did why do you want to be bothered with you see that's the thing i always say <laughs> yeah right or they're certainly not around anymore <laughs> you know i mean they have other things to do they look at you and go yeah it's you're like, step back yeah speaking <laughs> of elves i don't know how uh, much you're keeping up with anime but there's an anime called free ren which is quite good. It's about an elf mage and how she experiences all of these humans dying before her that are her friends because she lives so long. And so she's like, it's like one big expression of grief, but that's, that's my one elf take. And yes, she is white. <laughs> well, <laughs> So there you go. Well, there. <laughs> there you've got your white elf. Now go watch Free Ren. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. we're not we're we're not gonna we're not gonna solve it here. But ladies and gentlemen, just uh definitely uh hit the like and subscribe to listening to old man blurred. We love hearing from you so you can find uh 
Terrence at drakestorm at gmail.com. And you can find me at thatsoquantum at gmail.com. Send us, a, send us a message or send us a message through wherever you subscribe to Old Man Blurred, hearing us ramble for, oh, almost two hours. Or did we ramble only for an hour? About an hour, hour and a half. About an hour and a half or so. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, I guess the question is, oh, brother, how woke art thou? <laughs> really? Right? How how woke art thou? Well, I guess I concluded from my end is simple that, you know, I have no problem with them doing anything as long as it goes with the story. Yeah. If it serves the story and not serves market forces, you can do whatever you like. And I am I'm okay with the casting of the original Mandalorian. I was okay with the casting of uh the Inquisitor uh in Obi-Wan. I don't think someone being gay or trans or black or a woman automatically assumes it's good or bad. So, you know, take your woke and, you know place it where the sun may or may not shine well, i guess if you're woke it would have to be shining <laughs> so so what what about closed if you're woke what about or asleep should we say asleep for those yes yes that are are, are trying to be aware but like for instance the baron from dune is supposed to be flaming evil gay oh, and yet you know they don't downplay it sometimes sure Sure. Well, you know, I think because they would say, they, well, that makes people hate gays. It's like, no, the characters, but ain't got nothing to do with sexuality. Well, I that's think like... that's the, the problem is, is that they spent so much time making the sort of effeminate character or gay character, the bad character, whether it's dressed to kill or arguably Scar and Lion King. It's like, oh, it's there's some we're all of these effeminate evil characters. Uh, yeah. Once upon a time, that was a trope. But if a character happens to be gay and evil, make them gay and evil. That's fine. I think if you want genuine represent representation, sometimes it's okay to make a black person a gangbanger. Sometimes it's okay to make a gay person a villain. You just can't only be gangsters or only be villains. Right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Uh, and not every time the person is, is has a high voice, are they gay? That's a different kind of prejudice. Thank you. Sure, sure. I mean, I think just the it's like that Saturday Night Live skit. The what was it, Dave, the effeminate heterosexual? I think it was Dana Carvey that played that character. He was he was effeminate, but he was not. He was he was straight. So, yeah, I think. Uh, excuse me. I think that yeah, just if it serves the story, do it. If you're pandery. People will spot it. And just because you're making a female Jedi doesn't mean that you're trying to be woke. I think they could have done Ray a lot better had they made her go to the dark side, but that's a whole nother subject. That would have been brave. Make make sometimes make a good guys bad. Turn bad. That's how life sometimes happens. Yeah. I just think they should have just finished it. Whatever they were going to do, finish it the right way. Sure. But I really would have loved to have seen her go to the dark side and had Kylo basically go to the good side and have to bring her back. That would have been great. That would I have mean, been a much better story, that's for sure. Oh, for sure. Takes risks, and, you know. Takes and and, and maybe have you know, that's how the Skywalkers saved the universe. Yeah. Instead instead of just having her claim the name afterwards. And uh, you know what? The sad part is they don't have to uh not do that 
they can just kind of like, okay, you know what? We scrubbed that inning. And then, you know, Adam, Daisy, are you really to reprise your roles? Just leave everybody else out. <laughs> sure. Sure. But I mean, that again, because there was so much heat going towards Kathleen Kennedy, I think that's her name. Uh, yeah. And there was a black stormtrooper. Oh my goodness. How we can't have black stormtroopers. Uh, <laughs> and we have black a female. Stormtrooper that was trying to be good. You yeah, there was that a. Part. Yeah, it was a black stormtrooper trying to be good. There was a female lead Jedi who was a badass right out the gate. There was uh, an Asian woman who w sort of was attracted to the black stormtrooper. And those were just – and so much hate came from that. That's why on some level – that's why I'm – that soured me a little bit with Star Wars. It's just like, ooh, are these the people well, that yeah, like that Star was, Wars? <laughs> yeah, that was the wrong part because when you make people shut down their website, and they're doing it for fandom. And you make people regret that they go to work or make them yeah. hate their job. And that's your goal. You're not a fan. You're something else. I don't know what it, you need a face that needs a fist, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have an allegedly punchable face. <laughs> that's what I, that was, I'm going to start calling people. Yeah. He has an allegedly punchable face. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, they, they sort of tortured that Korean American actress again, a name I forgot. Yeah, Tran. Tran, I think is her name. Kelly e. Tran. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of which, the Captain Marvel writer was Kelly Sue DeConnick. That was bothering me for a bit. That was the Captain Marvel writer, oh, woman writer that uh, did such a good job. But anyway, yeah, it's like they just tortured that poor woman. Tortured her. And it was like, over what? It was like calm. I mean, that was when sort of the misogyny was so high online that you know it made us all look bad. That's what it did. It set it set geeks back a thousand years, male geeks ten thousand years, and black male geeks. Oh my god, we're not we're still coming back. Sure. <laughs> yeah, because it was just like who wants to be associated with Star Wars when the fandom is like anytime someone's black or a person a person of color or a woman, they're just gonna be like, ah, I hate this. It's like uh, sometimes you just cast people and they are in a role. It's not like even I don't think that was necessarily a market thing. I think they just cast her, you know. And it's you know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't like. Part. Yeah, I didn't like how they ended the story with her and him. Well, that's you know, here because they are this loving coming. Sure, and I know it's because of the fans. I know it's because of the fans, but the story wise, they should have still been some sort of couple, or not. You know, not have it where she just kind of stand off his towards him and you're like. What the hell happened? Well, Was I think that, that somebody else. I think that's because they gave in to wanting to reduce her role as part of it. I think that's why they did that, and so I mean, and that she wanted her ro role reduced. So yeah, because she didn't want to go through more crap, which you can't blame her for. Nope. And so that there again shows me that woke seventy five percent of it is just people making other people feel bad. <laughs> well, so, anyways. Yeah. Well, like I said, we're not probably going to solve it tonight. <laughs> yeah, we got a few more years. A few more years to do it. All right. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, thank you for joining us at Old Man Blurred. Forgive my dog for being a, a furry little barker. Uh, and uh, you, like I said, drakestorm at gmail.com. That's so quantum at gmail.com. Or anywhere that you see this, like it subscribe to it and like we pretend always to like say it. pretend to like it and still click a like 
<laughs> check out all of our stuff on the That's So Quantum channel. And like we like to sign off, don't be a stranger. Just be strange. All right. See you next week. Yep. <laughs> Bye.